We're in our second week of a five-month series that we're doing called The Essentials. And over the next five months, we're working through together a book called Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. If you have not had an opportunity yet to pick this book up, there's a couple copies left at the um, welcome table on your way out. Please make sure you pick this up. We hope that every family has at least one copy of this book. And I'd really encourage you, throughout the next five months, you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. So I'd encourage you, there's a variety of different ways to participate in the Essential series. There's some reading plans of following along different chapters in here and different opportunities to participate. I really encourage you to look at the opportunities to participate and dig in. The whole goal is to strengthen our foundation as individuals and ultimately strengthen our foundation as a, as a congregation. So last week was week one, and our non-negotiable last week was Scripture should be your functional authority in faith and life. Scripture should be your functional authority in faith and life. And so now the next five months what we do is we go to Scripture and take from Scripture the various things that should be the foundation of our faith and our life. So I hope that uh, you'll pick up that book. The reason that this book was chosen is two reasons. The first is, and most importantly, we believe that this is a correct interpretation, a correct exposition of the Bible thing. That's the number one reason. It's believed that this was the correct interpretation of the Bible, the most faithful to God's Word. And then secondly, it's in a very, I'm not sure the best, user-friendly format. It's a couple of pages, each chapter, understandable. They take the Scripture verses, show where they got the different things from. So it's an user-friendly format, but more importantly than that, it uh, gives a faithful interpretation of Scripture. So please participate as much as you are able over the next five months. This morning we're going to read from Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start with verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to jump to verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we plunge into your word this morning, we ask that you'd give us understanding and wisdom as we look at these big topics. We pray, O Lord, that your scripture, your word, would speak forth into our hearts. We pray, O Lord, that you'd capture us this morning with a vision of the life you've created us to live. We ask now, O Lord, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. How does Thursday at 3 o'clock have anything to do with Sunday morning at 10.30?
How does Thursday at 3 o'clock have anything to do with Sunday morning at 10.30? For the majority of society and for many of us, there's a great disconnect between the church and what happens in our daily lives. It's one of the things that you can see in the advertising for churches nowadays. Churches are beginning to see that people are thinking that there's no connection between faith and everyday life. So churches now advertise by using words like, the message on Sunday will be very relevant to your life. How does faith speak into your everyday? The word relevant is kind of a new big word now in church life. Why? Because we're seeing that society is beginning to wonder, does your religious life, your faith life, connect at all with your practical everyday life? How about for you this last week? Thursday at 3 o'clock, whatever you were doing, was it influenced by Sunday morning at 10.30? Did the two connect at all? And how do they connect? How does our everyday practical life of our job, our times at home, our hobbies, how does that connect with our faith life or with the spiritual life? For the majority of us, a lot of times there's been a great disconnect between our everyday life and our church life. Well, this morning I want to argue that the solution to bringing a connection between our everyday life and our faith life is actually we need to elevate our vision and we need to elevate our thinking. We could solve a lot of problems if we would elevate our vision and elevate our thinking. For example, right now I've often said to many people, in the city of Sioux Falls, if you take your hands off of the steering wheel in the city of Sioux Falls, there's a very good chance that you're going to run into a church building. And I'm not exaggerating. Think. You could drive between here and your house and probably get to eight or nine different church buildings. We have church buildings everywhere. Think. So, if we have church buildings everywhere, why do we have so much rampant wrongdoing? What's the disconnect? The disconnect is that we have not elevated our thinking and our vision of who God is and who He created humans to be. If we would elevate our thinking, everything would change. And that brings us to our non-negotiable today. As I said last week, we're going to have a non-negotiable every Sunday for the next five months. Our non-negotiable today is that God is the creator and the sustainer of all things and created humanity in His image. God is the creator and the sustainer of all things and created humanity in His image. We need to elevate our thinking and our vision in two areas. First and most importantly, we need to elevate our thinking about God. What's happened the majority of the time is what? We've tried to describe God from a human image point of view. We've tried to portray ourselves onto God. And that's proven by this line of thinking. I hear this all the time. Well, I can't really believe in a God like that. Let's think about that statement for a second. I can't really believe in a God like that. So basically what you're saying is this. You can only believe in a God who agrees with basically all of your thinking and whom you can understand. In other words, you can really only agree with a God whom you can create. Isn't there a problem with that statement? If you're saying you can only believe in a God whom you can create or a God whom you can agree with, all of a sudden what? You're lowering God to your position. Or in other words, you're creating your own God who you can agree with 
so you can feel good when you believe that you're believing in something loving, caring, nice, but something you've created and you can agree with. So we've actually lowered our thinking about God to bring God to a level that we can understand and God to a level that we can agree with. What we need to do is elevate our thinking to the point where we think about God the way Scripture thinks about God. And this gets extremely difficult because what happens in Scripture is this. Much is revealed, but much is hidden. Much is revealed, but much is hidden. For example, look with me at Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, I'm assuming the majority of you know Genesis chapter 1 as the creation story, going through seven days of God creating the heavens and the earth. But if you look at Genesis chapter 1, you can basically summarize it by saying, God creates everything out of nothing. God creates everything out of nothing. Outside of that, we don't get a lot of detail. Do you think you could write a science book out of Genesis chapter 1? You're going to have a pretty small science book. There's not a ton of detail in in, in Genesis chapter 1 outside of the fact that God speaks and He creates out of nothing. And you and I as human beings, this is a concept we can't understand. Because what? You and I cannot create something out of nothing. Does that even compute in your mind? How can you have something without something to get to something? God creates something out of nothing. It's revealing that God is God, giver of all life, and yet it's something we can't understand. There's so much mystery in Genesis chapter 1. Well, how did it exactly all take place? So, for example, did God create a mature earth? Did God create a mature earth that in seven days, if we would have had the science that we do now, would have looked at that earth and said, wow, this earth is 4,000 years old? I, I don't know. That hasn't been revealed in Scripture. All I can say is what has been revealed in Scripture. What has been revealed in Scripture is that God created earth that God created the heavens out of nothing. This is God. And the next thing we question that always comes up is, well, where did God come from? Scripture just says, God has always existed. We don't know. God has always existed. And for us, again, in our human minds, this doesn't make sense. That's the point. We need to elevate our thinking where we understand God from a revealed point of view rather than a made-up point of view. Elevate our thinking to understand God as the creator and the sustainer. Look with me at Acts chapter 17, where we read earlier in the service, Acts chapter 17 in the New Testament. This truly elevates our thinking about God, and we get a biblical picture of who God is. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. Acts chapter 17, we see the Apostle Paul is on the mission field basically taking the good news of Jesus Christ out into the world. And in Acts chapter 17, we see that Paul is talking to some non-Christians, people who are not followers of Jesus Christ, and so Paul is seeking to bring them the good news so that they would convert to being followers of Jesus Christ. And let's see how the Apostle Paul handles this. In the midst of handling this, he gives us great truth, revelation about God. Acts chapter 17, verse 24, the Apostle Paul says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, 
does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed everything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God. So the Apostle Paul walks into town and he sees that they've got a lot of images made of God that they think of God. And the Apostle Paul basically says, whoa, 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 you're creating God in your own image. Hold on a second. The God who you are seeking is uncreated. He created you and he put you in this specific place at this specific time and God sustains all of creation. So the people were trying to build a God in their own image through sculptures, through wood, through stone, whatever it might be. But the Apostle Paul says, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. The God of the universe can't be contained in a sculpture or can't be contained in a temple. But God is way beyond that. For God created the heavens and the earth and he gives all of life mankind. When we think about God, we have to think of an eternal creator who has given everything life. There is no life outside of God. At this very moment, you and I are completely dependent upon God. God could this very moment end all of life in the whole universe. All of life is dependent upon God. He creates and he sustains. God is the creator and the sustainer of life. Which brings us to the point, God is the owner of all things. God is the owner of all things. If we want to elevate our vision and our thinking about God, and if we want to connect our practical everyday living to our spiritual life, here's where the connection happens. We have to realize that God owns all things. So when you're working on your business deal on Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock, God owns that business deal. God created you to be glorified in that business deal at that very moment. God does not just own the churches in Sioux Falls. God owns the banks. God owns the government. God owns everything. And until we understand that God is the owner of everything and God seeks to be the king of everything, we're not going to connect our everyday living to our religious life or our faith life. But when we realize that God is the owner of everything and God created everything, God wants to be honored in everything, then all of a sudden that changes my mentality when I'm going in the middle of my business deal. In the middle of that business deal, now I've got one goal. I want to honor God through the way I'm treating my customer and the way I'm treating the other business person that I'm working with. So now, what's directing the business deal is actually God's Word and the way I interact with those people, my customers and the other business people. And God has a great deal to say about how we interact with one another. How I live my life at home. Now everything changes. If God is the owner of everything, he's the owner of my home, how I live at home changes because now I want to honor God in everything that I do at home. You see, Paul's words here that God is not contained in a temple completely blow apart this idea that I can show up on Sunday morning for an hour and be fine. We show up on Sunday morning to worship, to do that which we are supposed to do all week long. And this is what's happening all too much across the whole city, including here. On Sunday morning when we walk in, what do we do? Flip a switch. I'm at church now. 
I'm going to behave now, and I'm going to start worshiping now. You can't flip a switch on Sunday morning. Do we really have that small view of God that on Sunday morning I can show up and pretend that what happened didn't really happen the whole week and that I'm really worshiping God for this hour and ten minutes? God is way bigger than that. God is, knows all. Everything we've done lays right before his feet. So when we show up on Sunday morning, it's supposed to be a continuation of what's happened throughout the whole week because we're worshiping God in our business, the way that we're honoring God and how we're doing business. We're worshiping God in our homes, how we're raising our children and how we're treating our spouses. We're worshiping God in our hobbies, by the way we're playing our hobbies, by the way we're spending our time, we're honoring Him by living out His commands. And on Sunday morning, all we're doing is worshiping now God as a group of people in a structured format. During the week, I'm not singing and I'm not listening to sermons, but I still am worshiping. I'm seeking to bring God honor. On Sunday mornings, I'm seeking to bring God honor through songs of praise and listening to His Word. Worship is 24-7, 365. We were created to do it because God is the owner of all things. We need to elevate our thinking about God. And that basically can be simplified like this. We need a bigger God. Thankfully, Scripture reveals a God who's bigger than we can even imagine, who we can even understand because He creates something out of nothing. And this God who creates something out of nothing, this God who is everlasting, has created you and I in His image. So the second thing that we need to elevate our thinking around is we need to elevate our thinking around ourselves. Genesis chapter 1, turn back with me to verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So we get to the end of the creation story, and now really good news. It's good news all throughout the creation story, but now we see something speaking directly to us. Genesis 1, let's look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is distinctly different than the rest of creation. Humanity is the one created in the image of God. And what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, what we see revealed in Scripture for us in verses 28 and 29 is that to be created in the image of God is to have dominion over the rest of God's creation. So to be created in the image of God is to be God's representative here on earth to have dominion over that which God has created. You and I were created to care for the rest of God's creation. We were created to care for the rest of God's creation and to be in relationship with God. In the image of God, let's look here. We've pointed this out a couple of times. Verse 26. Notice he says, let us make man. Us. You say, us? What's going on with us? Isn't this God doing the creating? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when the triune God is creating us in His image, what that means is He's creating us for relationship because God is in constant relationship. So to live in the reflect the image of God is to live in relationship with God and with one another because God Himself is in constant relationship. So if I'm going to reflect the image of God, I need to be in relationship with God and with one another. It's what He's created us to do. We've got a problem of self-esteem in our culture. We got, we got counseling offices filled up through the whole city of Sioux Falls with people 
that have too low a view of themselves. It's because how they feel about themselves is dependent upon their capacity. That's what we've done. We've made people to feel better about themselves when? When they perform more or perform better. Human worth and human value is not dependent upon capacity or performance, but human worth and human value is inherent in our creation as people created in the image of God. You need to elevate your thinking about yourself. You're a big deal. You're created by God in the image of God. You're a big deal. You're at the top of God's creation list. Created in His image. You shouldn't have to do something to feel better about yourself, but rather hear what God says about you, that you're created by Him. He owns you. You know, George Foreman named all of his children George. Why? So they would know whose they were. Give them some confidence that I'm George Foreman's daughter, George Foreman's son. Even the daughters still have the name George in them. So they would know whose they were. You and I have to remember whose we are. I'm God's. You're God's. He owns you. We do this with our own children, right? We do this all the time with our own children. You know that mom and dad are going to love you no matter what. Why do we do that with our children? Because we want them to know that they're going to be cared for and nurtured no matter what happens in their life. And we do that because we know that in our own life, there's something inside of us that needs that what? Stability and acceptance. Well, that stability and acceptance does not come from our capacity to perform or our capacity to look our certain way. But that acceptance and that love comes from that we are created in the image of God. You're of great worth. You're created in the image of God. Can you imagine how our society would transform if we began to treat everyone as though they're created in the image of God? It would erase favoritism. It would erase murder if we began to treat everyone as though they're created in the image of God, different from the rest of creation. We need to elevate our thinking about God first and foremost, that God is the creator and the sustainer of the universe, that God is the owner. Secondly, we need to elevate our thinking about ourselves. We're created in the image of God. And if we do those two things, actually, this week's PAT, the practical application today, come quite easy. So today's, today's PAT, practical application today, the first one is this. The practical application, if I want to live out this message, is this. I need to recognize the greatest temptation I face is the me, my, I temptation. Me, my, I temptation. Say that with me. Me, my, I temptation. This is the greatest temptation you and I face every single day is to wake up and say, it's all about me, it's my way, I know best. It's the greatest temptation because you know what happens? When we fall to this temptation, we break the very first commandment. And actually the very first commandment is broken when we break all any other commandment as well. It's because breaking the very first commandment then plays itself out in breaking everything else. Because when we break the very first commandment of having no other gods except God, what we're doing is we put ourselves in that position and we begin to make decisions for ourselves because we think we know best. My child at home, I think, only knows one word. Nine, nine, nine. 
everywhere and anything. You know, I'm just like, when do they outgrow this? But then I look around the room and I'm like, I don't know if they ever outgrow this. Because we've got the same problem. Me, mine, I know best. The greatest temptation is that we wake up in the morning and we say, it's all about me, it's mine, I know the way. So then what happens is this. We think for ourselves and we step across God's boundaries. That's right. I said think for ourselves is the most dangerous thing you could do tomorrow when you wake up. Don't think for yourself tomorrow morning. Let God, he's already actually done the thinking for you. We need to open his word and let it speak to us. For the very first thing, so this is practical. Let me get this very practical. Tomorrow morning or today, today, just recognize that, okay, not my way, but God's way. Not about me, but about God. It's the greatest temptation we face is to lower God and elevate self. The practical application is just to recognize that temptation and say, yeah, I do that often. Recognize the temptation. The second practical application today is this. Who is the person in your life who you treat the worst? Who is the person in your life who you ignore? Practical application is this. Give honor to the person I normally ignore or treat poorly. Why? Because that person is created in the image of God. All of us have at least one person in our life who really rubs us the wrong way. We've all got one person in our life who we either ignore or we treat poorly. We need to give that person honor. In James chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 3, please. This is an extremely important point. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, after the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 9, we get to really the heart of why God is against murder, why God is against treating our neighbors poorly. James chapter 3, verse 9, talking about our tongue, notice the reason that it gives at the end of verse 9. With it, our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. What's the big deal of cursing a person? Or in other words, talking down to a person or speaking ill of a person? The reason that that's bad is because that person is created in the image of God. I should be treating that person with honor and dignity because they have inherent worth and inherent value. And you know what? It doesn't matter how they behave. (laughs) It doesn't matter how they behave. Even when I behave poorly, what? I still want people to love me and like me. But even more than that, our value and our worth is not based upon our behavior or our performance. But I have great value and great worth no matter what my behavior and performance is. So therefore, I should always treat the person with dignity and respect and honor. Why? Because they're created in the image of God. So this next week, if you want to live out this message, find the one person, the one person that you sometimes ignore or treat poorly, And show them honor. Do something special for them. Take them out to lunch. Bring them a special treat at work. Maybe you know they love glazed donuts. Bring donuts to work tomorrow and make sure that person gets one. Treat that person with honor because they were created in the image of God. 
Do you see how elevating our thinking about who we are and who God is can change our everyday living? If we begin to look at the people around us as individuals created in the image of God, that's going to change the way we relate with one another. I don't want to gossip about another person who's created in the image of God. I don't want to step on another person who's been created in the image of God. I want to do an honest business deal because God owns the business deal. Elevating our thinking about God and about ourselves changes everything because God is the creator and the sustainer of all things and you and I are created in his image. Many years ago, I was a junior in, junior in high school and at juniors in high school, we went to a really small high school. In this high school we went to, the juniors were responsible for decorating for prom. Who's the last person they should put in charge of decorating for prom? Thing. Right here. Thing. Who got put in charge of decorating for prom? Right here. I had a great idea. An absolutely fabulous idea. Thing. Straw bales everywhere. Straw bales everywhere. Guess how far that idea went? That went nowhere. But guess who they still kept in charge of decorating for prom? Right here. So you know what I said? I said, they're never going to forget this prom. I even rented one of those hydraulic lifts that takes you all the way to the top of the gym and we, hugged the, we hung this big steel thing that had streamers coming down like this. And I remember the, junior, the president of the senior class came back and they said to me at the end, they're like, where did you come up with those ideas? I just said, I don't know what I did. I went and I talked to the floral manager at Hy-Vee where I worked. You see, what I did is this. I elevated my thinking. Not to my mind, though, but to the mind of someone who knows much more than I. What would happen if you and I elevated our thinking? If we went to someone who knows much more than us, God himself, what would happen if we recognized God as the owner of all things and as each other created in God's image? Can you imagine the beauty, way beyond the beauty of a prom, but it'd be the beauty of a creation the way God intended it to be, of love and care for one another. Let us go forth recognizing God as the creator and the sustainer of all things, and you and I created in his image. Go forth and elevate your thinking. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks today that you have created us. God, we acknowledge that many times we ignore you as our owner. And this morning, O oh Lord, we pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, enable us to give you honor in all circumstances. Lord, this morning I lift up and I pray for each person that's here. I pray that you'd bring into each person's mind here one person that they can show honor and dignity to this next week. Lord, we pray that your image would be reflected throughout King of Glory and throughout Sioux Falls. God, thank you for creating us and sustaining us. We give you worship. In Jesus' name, amen.